Good morning. Welcome to Pinion Hills Community Church. Great to have you here with us today as we're continuing on in our series called Crash Course. This whole series is all about how to protect your life so you don't wreck your life. I heard a story last week about a man named Max Sylvester. Max wanted to become a pilot of a plane, but he had to, of course, learn how to fly planes before he, become a, he could become an official pilot. So hey, he booked an instructor to teach him how to fly a little Cessna plane. So in Australia, he and the instructor get in this little Cessna. They start taking off down the runway. They start taking off over the skies of Australia. They get about 2,000 feet up in the air, at which point the instructor passed out. Just completely out cold. So Max, who's never flown a plane before, starts trying to revive the instructor, but he's gone. Like he's not, he's not responsive at all. So he's like slapping him in the face. Nothing. No response at all. So Max has enough knowledge of the plane to get on to, to the radio with air traffic control, and, and he came on the radio and said, hey, is anybody there? Air traffic control responds back and says, yes, this is air traffic control. How can we help you? And he says, my name's Max, and I'm flying a plane for the first time, and my instructor's passed out cold next to me. And so air traffic control says, um, you've never flown a plane ever before? He's like, this is literally my first time ever flying a plane, and I'm doing it alone. <laughs> so air traffic control says, okay, well, Max, um, you're going to have to land the plane. And he says, I've never landed a plane before. I've never attempted to do this before. So they said, okay, uh, can you keep circling above the airport so we can bring fire trucks and ambulances to the airport? <laughs> and so he said, yes, I can keep circling. So he begins circling above the airport while they, for real, bring in fire trucks and ambulances to the airport just in case he crashed the plane when he attempted to land for the first time. So after about an hour of circling, they said, okay, Max, the time has come. You have to land the plane. You have to at least attempt to land the plane because eventually you're going to run out of fuel. And the guy's still not responsive. The instructor still passed out cold next to him. So he says, okay. So they said, well, you need to come on approach. You need to circle around big around the airport. And then you need to come down as you're decreasing your altitude. Keep your wings straight. Keep your speed up. But you're going to have to touch down and, and land this plane. So he says, okay. Never done this before, but why not try now? <laughs> so he brings it in, lowers and decreases the altitude, keeps the wings straight, and he lowers and touches down, and air traffic control said it was a quote-unquote perfect landing. He didn't crash it. He didn't damage it at all. Now, meanwhile, the EMTs move in, and the instructor turns out that he had had a heart attack while in the air. So they whisk him away, take him to the hospital. They're expecting that the instructor is going to be just fine. But meanwhile, the media got word of this while this is all taking place. So these reporters and news agencies, they all show up and they start interviewing Max, the pilot who landed a plane who had never flown a plane before. And they interview him and they ask them questions. How in the world, how in the world did you land a plane having never flown a plane ever before in your life? And here's what Max told the media. He said this. He said, if I hadn't studied I wouldn't be here. It's as simple as that. If I hadn't studied, I wouldn't be, he would have crashed the plane. He wouldn't be here had he not studied. Now, by a raise of hands, who here would be willing to get into a plane for the first time and fly it without an instructor sitting next to you? Anybody? A couple of you, because either you're crazy or you're already a pilot. <laughs> you already know how to fly a plane, but, but anybody in their right mind would not be willing to go up, unless it's like a simulator, like a fake plane, or like a Wii, or you know, a video game or something. But, but for the, the rest of us, if you're thinking clearly, there's no way you're going to get into a plane without an instructor sitting next to you. But here's the crazy thing, friends. The crazy thing is that many of us, every single day, choose to fly blind. We're flying blind through life without an instructor or an instruction or instructor sitting next to us, without an instruction manual sitting next to us. We choose to fly blind. Now, the reality is that we have an instructor in life, God, and we have an instruction manual in life, the Bible, 
But we choose to not consult God. We don't seek after God and ask him what to do before we do it. We don't go to the Bible oftentimes and figure out what we should be doing and what we should not be doing. We choose to go through life flying blind. And here's the craziest part. We're okay with it. We're okay without seeking an instructor. We're okay without having an instruction manual. We are on a crash course if we don't have an instructor or an instruction manual for life. Last week, we started this whole series of Crash Course, and I presented to you a dichotomy. And if you weren't here, if you weren't paying attention last week, what a dichotomy is, is a choice between two different opposing options. For example, and a, a dichotomy could be this. It could be a choice between comedy movies or action thriller movies. Who here, by raise of hands, you would prefer comedy movies over action thrillers? Okay, 12 of you, good. Who here prefers action thriller movies over comedy movies? Okay, the rest of you. <laughs> That's a dichotomy. Here's another dichotomy cho choice that you get to make. Fruits or vegetables? Who here, by raise of hands, prefers fruits? Who here prefers, prefers vegetables? Okay, you guys are like the healthier ones, or the vegetables, whatever. Apple a day keeps the, the, the doctor away. Uh, what about music? What do you prefer between hip-hop or country? Who prefers country? <laughs> Quite a few. Who prefers hip-hop? All right. Or you could be like Little Nas X, and you could take both hip-hop and country and merge them together. I'm just making sure you're paying attention this morning. For those of you who are like days days and off and dozing a little bit like that, that brought you back, right? Good. That's that's the whole point. <laughs> Did you know, by the way, that that song has become number one of all time? It's crazy. It came out like I don't know a couple of months ago. Little Nas X, a 20 20 year old kid, uh, went and bought a beat or bought the instrumental for thirty dollars off of the internet, and then wrote his own lyrics and came out with this song, and it smashed all the records. It's beaten all the other songs. It's it's beaten all of Elvis's songs, Sinatra's songs, Taylor Swift's songs. It's the number one song of all time. Who would have thought that there would be a market for hip hop, country merged together? Who would have thought that? That's it's crazy. But sometimes people try to take things that really shouldn't be combined together, and they try to merge them together which is kind of what we talked about last week. Proverbs 14.8, there's this dichotomy that we're presented with in Scripture. Here's what, what this verse is. Solomon wrote this. He said, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Now, here's the dichotomy we started unpacking last week. Wisdom versus folly. What do you, what do you prefer, wisdom or folly? Now, a lot of people try to merge these together. They're like, well, I, I, I want wisdom, but I'm going to choose folly. That's like taking hip-hop and country and merging it into one song. It doesn't work. You can't be a wise fool. It simply doesn't work, which is why the Bible says over and over and over, especially throughout the book of Proverbs, choose wisdom. Choose wisdom, choose wisdom, choose wisdom. And there's some perks, there's some benefits as far as why you would choose wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3 talks about some of the perks that we see in uh, choosing wisdom. It says, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, I'll just read it. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. It's, it, Solomon's personifying wisdom by re referring to her as a woman. Verse 15, she, speaking of wisdom, she is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Now, look at that last verse again. Nothing you desire compares with wisdom. Not wealth, not health, not cars, not houses. Nothing that you will ever desire in life compares with the benefit that wisdom provides. So last week what we talked about is, well, how do you begin this process of searching for wisdom? How do you become somebody who is wise? You've you got to start somewhere. You've got to begin somewhere. So where's the starting point? Proverbs 9.10 says this, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Fear of the Lord is the starting point. You want to be somebody who's wise as opposed to somebody who's foolish. Where do you start? You start with fear. And again, we talked about this last week. Fear, the original word for that in the Hebrew language, means respect. Respect of the Lord is the beginning of becoming a person who is wise. So if you're taking notes this morning, you can write, write this down. Becoming respectful. If you become respectful, you become wise. Become respectful and you'll become wise. When you're respecting of God, you can become wise. God will make you wise. Now, I'm presuming that most people in this room, you're not intentionally looking to disrespect God. You're not looking for ways that you can disrespect God or dishonor God. But in the the flip side of that coin, while you're not looking for ways to disrespect God, you're also not looking for ways to respect God. So this is where we kind of left off last week. We talked about the idea, if you want to be somebody who's wise, the beginning point of is respecting God. But how do you do that? You can be intentional if we're respecting God. There's six ways. And again, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first step in respecting God is this. Love God with everything. Love God with all you've got. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 22, 37. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus doesn't say, love God with just this part of your heart, this part of your soul, this part of your mind. He's saying, love God with everything. Love God with all you've got. And when you do that, when you love God with everything, you're showing respect for God. That's one way to show respect for God. Again, to become a wise person, respect God. So how do you respect God? That's one, one way. Love God with everything. Here's the second way to respect God. Love others how God loves you. Love others how God loves you. If you take the love that God has given to you and you give it to other people, you're showing respect for the type of love that God has given to you. Jesus says this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love other people how God loves you. Love other people how perhaps you even love, love yourself. Love other people when you're doing that, you're showing respect for God and the type of love that he has given to you. That's a second way of showing respect for God. Here's a third way. Submit fully to God. Again, not partially, but fully. Trust in his ways as opposed to your own ways or as opposed to what the worldly ways are. Submit fully to God. And here's what happens. When you submit fully to God, when you're submissive, submissive to him, you're not being submissive to the enemy at the same time. Here's what James says in James 4, 7. He says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When you're fully 100% submitting to God, you are not submitting to your enemy. That's a third way to show respect for God. Here's a fourth way. Just rattling through these really quickly. Express gratitude to God. Express thankfulness to God. When you are showing God, when you are telling God that you are thankful for the gifts, for the blessings, for his son that he's given for you, you're showing respect, that you respect what he has done for you. First Chronicles 16.34 says this, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. When you show gratitude, you're showing respect at the same time. Fifth way of showing respect for God is this, get to know God. The more you get to know God, the more you fall in love with God. The more you fall in love with God, the more you naturally respect what he has done for you. It says this in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in his grace, grow in your understanding, grow in the knowledge of Jesus, and the more you know him, the more you'll love him, the more you'll love him, the more you respect him. Now, so far, I've just shared a couple different verses. There's five different ways so far that I've shared as far as how you can respect God, but there's a sixth way, and the sixth way is all-encompassing because everything I've shared so far is just scripture. I've just said, here's these verses, here's verses from the Bible that shows us how to respect God, but there's a sixth way, which is the inclusive one, which is this. Number six is this, obey God. If you simply look to his word and you simply obey his, his word, everything I've already talked about, those other five ways, it's just, just be obedient to that. 
Be obedient to his word. Says this, Jesus says this in John 15, 14. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Simply be obedient to God. James reiterates that in James 1.22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, now let me dive more into this verse for just a second. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. There's a difference between listening and doing. James is implying that you're deceiving yourself if you just listen. You're lying to yourself if you just are listening and not doing. Now, now why is that? Why do you think James is saying you're lying to yourself if you're just listening? I, I think the reason why is because sometimes when we listen, we're tricking our minds into thinking that we're actually doing something when we're not. This happens all the time when people come to church on a Sunday morning. You come and hear the word, you listen to the word, and you feel like because you've heard the right things to do, you feel like you've checked the box, even though you haven't done anything. You've listened, you've perhaps made in your mind, I'll do something, or that makes sense, but until you take action, you haven't done anything. Let me explain to you what I mean. Let me put a little riddle up on, on the screen. Here's the, the, the riddle, or, or a math equation, if you want to do math on Sunday morning. <laughs> Five frogs are sitting on a log. Four of the frogs decide to jump off. How many frogs are left? Simple equation, right? Now, by, by a raise of hands, who here thinks that the answer to this, this question is one? Anybody think the answer is one? A couple of you think the answer is one, all right? You're wrong. Here's the answer, five. Now, why is the answer five? Because deciding to do something is different than doing something. Five frogs sitting on a log, they decide to do something. They haven't done anything until they jumped off the log. And oftentimes when we hear, when we listen, even if we've decided in our heart to take action, until we actually take action, we haven't done anything. Sometimes we trick ourselves. Sometimes we, as James says, deceive ourselves. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. There's a big difference between taking action and deciding to jump off the log. I want to be encouraging to you this morning to be people who take action. See, wise people, those who are wise, respect God. Those who respect God are obedient to God. And those who are obedient to God take action. Now, there's kind of a cause and effect that I just talked about. Wise people respect God. People who respect God obey God. People who obey God take action. You could just start at the beginning point. That goes to the end point. People who want to be wise take action. People who want to be people who are filled with wisdom are those who jump off the log. They're not just thinking about doing stuff. They're not just considering stuff. They're actually willing to take action. So the book of Proverbs is full of all sorts of different themes. And, and this dichotomy of wisdom versus folly is one of the main themes. But there's another main theme that I would encourage you to consider taking action this morning, and it relates to friendship. The book of Proverbs, all throughout the Bible, it talks about how we should be pursuing godly, God-honoring types of friendships. For example, Solomon says this in Proverbs 18.24. He says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends will come to ruin, but there is such a thing as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, recently, I was driving around Farmington, and I pulled up behind a truck, and I saw a bumper sticker on the back of the truck, and the bumper sticker said this. He said, friends help you move. Real friends help you move bodies. <laughs> I don't know what church that guy goes to. A perception of what real friends are, but that is an example of an unreliable friend, somebody that's going to help you move bodies. There's, an, there's another quote from a guy named Walter Winchell who's a little bit closer. His quote is a little bit closer to what we're talking about. He said this He said, A real friend is somebody who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. That's the kind of friendship we're talking about in Proverbs. A real friend is somebody who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. 
There is such a thing as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A 10-year study at Flinders University found out that a friend network, having a friend network can actually extend your life. They did research over the period of 10 different years in this study at the center of aging. And what they found out is that for people who are 70 years old or older, live 22% longer if they have a band of brothers, a band of sisters, a group of friends. Having friends around you can literally extend your lifetime. It's good for you to have friendship. Solomon says this about friendship in Proverbs 17, 17. He said, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Friends are there for you during the thick and the thin. They're there not just during the good times, but also in the bad times. In fact, some friends will even tell you when you're screwing things up in life. They'll help you understand when you're in a bad time if you don't even understand it yourself. That's why Solomon said this in Proverbs 27, 6. He said, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. A true friend will tell you the truth. A true friend will tell you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. That's the kind of friendship that we should have in our lives. There's another proverb. Solomon says this, Proverbs 27, 17. He says, as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. What happens when you sharpen iron with iron? Sparks fly. Sometimes it can be painful to hear the truth. But a friend, a true, real friend will tell you the truth because they don't want to see you derail your life. They don't want to see you crash and burn in your life. They'll tell you the truth to help protect you, to help nudge you back in the right direction. That's what a true friend really looks like. Now, so far, all I've done is shared four Proverbs with you about friendship, that the book of Proverbs is chock full of verses about pursuing godly friendships. But I want to share one more verse with you that comes from the New Testament, not the Old, because it's the words of Jesus himself. John 15, 15, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. Even Jesus had friends. The Son of God prioritized friendship. If the Son of God is prioritizing friendship, then why don't we? Here's the question that I have for you this morning. Do you have godly friends? If you're really honest with yourself, do you really have godly friends? I'm not just talking about any friends who are going to encourage you to help hide bodies. <laughs> I'm talking about godly friends. People who will tell you the truth when you don't want to hear. Tell you, tell you what you need to hear even though you're, you're reluctant to hear that. People who will encourage you, inspire you, motivate you, nudge you towards scripture, help you understand what the Bible says. Do you have those types of relationships around you? Most people have a lot of acquaintances. People that they talk to, but they talk about the weather, talk about the rain, talk about work, talk about the hunt that they just went on, talk about a lot of surface level stuff. Do you have deeper, more meaningful, authentic friendships? A lot of people have big networks. You have a lot of followers. You have thousands of people that watch you, but do you actually have true, meaningful friendships? Now, despite statistics saying friendships are good for you, it extends your life, Despite research saying, saying that people who have friends have a lower stress levels in their life, despite the fact that the Bible, and especially the book of Proverbs, is full of all these verses that say we should have godly friendships, despite the fact that the Son of God himself has friendships, a lot of people are saying, no thanks. I don't really care. I know there's this dichotomy of wisdom versus foolishness, and I know it says all throughout the Bible that we should be wise people. If wise people have godly friends, but 
as for other people. And we choose, by default, foolishness. We choose to allow to go go through life having not meaningful, authentic relationships. In fact, the American Sociological Review came out with a study recently. They found out that the number of people who have trusted friends has decreased in the last 20, 20 years by 33%. The number of trusted friends is dropping. It's plummeting. In fact, they have another statistic that says the number of people who have no friendships at all has doubled in the last 20 years. The people who have no friendship at all, that number has doubled. More and more people are okay with throwing away the idea of friendship, of not having any friendship, not having somebody that they can have a real, meaningful, deep conversation with. And I don't quite frankly understand it. I don't know if it's because of social media you feel like you're connected to people when you're really not. I don't know if it's because of technology, because you're watching people all the time. I don't understand why people are opting out. All I understand is that the Bible, especially the book of Proverbs, says we should be people who are pursuing godly friendships. Wise people take action. Wise people have godly friendships, but people are more and more opting out. So based on just the people in this room right now, based on the people that are watching through the live stream, there are hundreds of people who probably right now would say... I don't have those kinds of friendships. I've got coworkers. I've got some family members. I've got a spouse. I've got kids. But the friendships you're talking about, I don't really have those types of deep, meaningful, godly friendships. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to be a person who is wise and doesn't settle for foolishness. Wise people respect God. People who respect God are obedient to his word. People who obey God Take action. Wise people, take action. Here's my challenge for you. Jump off the log. When it comes to friendship, take action. When it comes to friendship, be ready to jump off the log. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to consider it. You don't even have to pray about it. Now, some of you are like, what? Pastor, I don't have to pray about it? Aren't I supposed to pray about everything? Well, yeah, it says, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Pray about everything. But you don't have to pray about things that God has already told you to do. You don't have to pray about things that he already says in his word. The whole purpose of prayer is to go to him for discernment and for for clarity. But if he's already made it clear in his word that you should do something, you don't have to pray about it because he's already told you that's something you should do. For example, people come to me all the time and they're like, well, I'm thinking about considering, I'm praying about getting baptized. So my question is, well, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, yeah, but, you know, I haven't been baptized. I've been thinking about it for a year, for five years, or for a couple decades. I'm like, what? Why? God's already said, he's made it clear in the word, like, you should get baptized. If you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you've accepted what he did for you on the cross, then get baptized. Make a public declaration. It's not just an optional thing. This is something he says you should do, but you don't have to pray about that. You don't have to think about it. Just get baptized. Yet there's people here right now. You know who you are. You've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. I'll think about it. I'll consider it. I'll pray about it. You don't need to pray about that. You just need to get baptized. You just need to rip off the band-aid and say, I'm going to do it. I I don't like being wet in front of people. Whatever. (laughs) It's going to rain this afternoon. Go stand out in the rain. You'll get used to it. (laughs) Wave at people driving by. I I love baptism Sundays because there's water sloshing all over the stage. I'm worried about getting electrocuted. It's a good time. Like, (laughs) we can both be worried about it at the same time. If you have been putting off baptism, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to consider it. You don't have to pray about it. You just need to get baptized. We have baptisms coming up on October 27th, a few weeks from now. You've been putting it off? Send a text message, 505-412-4880 with the message of number two. How simple is that? You can just send a text message, and we'll tell you information as far as where to go, what to do, what to wear, all that good stuff, so you can get baptized and stop putting it off. 
Other people are like, well, you know, uh, I trust God in a lot of things, but I don't trust God over here, especially when it comes to my finances, because I'm tight. Like, you know, we, we don't have a lot of money at the end of the month. What you're doing, if, if you choose to not be generous and you choose not to give or to tithe, what you're just basically saying to God is you don't trust God. Now, when I'm talking about tithing, when I'm talking about giving, it's not something that we want from you. This is something we want for you. There's hundreds of people, millions worldwide, that have chosen to trust God with their finances because God says, I'm generous with you, so be generous back. And so there's a lot of people that are like, you know what, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to trust God. And, And then they receive blessings on top of that. They're already the recipients of so many gifts and so much stuff from God, but when they choose to trust God, They choose to be generous. All of a sudden, there's more blessings that come from that. That's what I want for every one of you. But so many people are, "Ah, I'll think about it. I'll consider it. I'll pray about it. Why? What's there to pray about? If God's already told you to do something, why not just take action? Wise people respect God. People who respect God, they're obedient to his word. People who obey his word, they take action. They don't sit there and think about it. They don't consider it. They don't even pray about what God's word already says. Now, why am I giving you these examples? Let me give you these examples. You, you, uh, let me tell, tell you the phone number you can text if you want to be somebody who's generous. 505-412-480. You can text message of five if somebody is wanting to be generous. You want to start giving. You can do that. But why am I giving you these examples? The reason I'm giving you these examples is because we as a church, we want to provide opportunities for you to live out what God, God's word says. I don't want to just come and add to your knowledge. I want to, I want to challenge you to take action. Do what his word says. Jump off the log. So there's all sorts of different ways we can plug you in, you can serve, you can give, you can get baptized, all sorts of different things you can do. But specific to this morning, God's word specifically says over and over and over, you should pursue godly friendships. So it just so happens that this morning is what we call group link. What group link is all about, it's about linking you to a group. <laughs> Pretty complicated. <laughs> Group link is to connect you with a group, and the whole purpose of a group is to give you an opportunity to create godly friendships. Now, you've heard me talk about life groups before. You've heard me talk about it almost every single Sunday. Hey, you should get involved in a group. You should get involved in a group. And we don't have group link all the time, just a couple times throughout the year, and it happens to be today. It happens to be this morning. So my encouragement, my challenge to you is to take action. Stop considering it. Stop thinking about it. Stop praying about it. Just jump in. Jump off the log. Take action. Now, this morning, um, our pastor, the guy on staff here at Pinion Hills, who is over all of our life groups, it's Pastor Tim Hargrove. He's the guy that came out and gave announcements earlier. Uh, So I was going to have him come out on stage and kind of talk about the three different types of groups that we have, but I can't find him. So we pinged his cell phone. Turns out he's sitting at Los Hermanitos right now. He bailed on us. He's over there eating breakfast burritos or something. So anyway, so we're going to live stream in and try to FaceTime him, have him give you a description as far as the different types of groups that you can join. So that being said, Pastor Tim, can you hear us over at Los Hermanitos? Hey, man, I'm over here at uh, Los Hermanitos. It's great to see you today. Oh, sorry about not being at church. I'll talk about that later with you. Hey, we're talking about life groups today, folks. And life groups are exciting. We have three kinds of life groups. We want all of you to sign up to be in a group somewhere. And uh, one of those kind of life groups is Meets in Homes. It's a home life group. And hey, look, here's one of our home life group leaders now. Hi. Yes, how are you? Good. This is Rachel, and she leads a life group. Is it at your home or someone else's? You know, we have it at our home, and then um, we also 
also go to other people's homes. So we all kind of take turns. Take turns. What do you love about your home life group? I love that we get to just get together, um, enjoy a little bit of time, um, talking about the Sunday morning sermon. So we have like a little handout sheet. We discuss it. We eat. We eat dinner. Um, have great food. Good conversations. And it is just something we look forward to every That's Sunday great. night. That's awesome. And so, folks, listen. One of the kinds of groups: meet in a home, make some friends. You make new friends in your group. Yes, we have some new people joining our group this uh, season, so we're super excited. Awesome. Okay, you can leave now. Oh. See you. Bye. I'll go back to church. Yeah. Thank you. Oh yeah. Say hi to the folks for me. And the other kind of group that we do meets on campus on Wednesday nights on campus, 6:30. I've heard that the leader is amazing. Just saying. So I want you to come and check that out. And look, here's one of our campus life group people right now on Wednesday night. Hey, Michael, how How's are going? you doing? Good to see you. So tell me, what do you love about um, the way I lead Campus Life Group? Uh, despite the leader of it, uh, we have a really good time. No, I, I like it because you get the same content and community you do out of a home life group. But I've got young kids. It's nice not to have to clean my house up and yeah. host everybody there. there you go. I've got somewhere I can go, get the same content, the same community, right. and, and it's a lot less stressful. It's really nice. Yeah. Have you made new friends when you come together on, camp on campus groups? Every week. Every week. Awesome. Yep. And uh, what do you love about um, meeting the people that come into the group? In other words, there's not everyone there that you know already, right? That, that's right. Yeah, there's always a, there's always a new face. Um, it's just fun. It's getting it's fun getting a new perspective on on the sermon, diving deeper into it. Um, you just get a lot of variety, and it gives you a chance to think of the content in a different way than just attending on a Sunday morning and going home. That's awesome. Well, I um, want you to come. So try try come come meet Michael, and uh, try coming to a campus life group. And say, you can leave now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. And the other kind of group is one of our newest type of groups, which is our interest life groups, where people get together to do things that are fun together. And we have one of our interest life group leaders. Hey, sir, come on over. Howdy. Here. Howdy. Wow, you look, you look familiar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You look familiar. You're not, you're not Some, supposed to be somewhere else right now, are you? No, no, no. I'm supposed to be out fishing in the San Juan right now. <laughs> so is that your interest life group? Yep, yep. 45 minutes to Navajo Lake. Throw in my San Juan worm. Jiggle that little guy. 20-inch trout. Boom. Wow. So do you have other people join you, or do you just yeah, go by yeah. yourself? That's no? my... Yeah. That's my that's my interest life group. Uh, we go down there. We have conversations about the the Sunday sermon. And, uh, the pastor, he's just okay. I mean, he's alright, but uh, but but we talk about the sermons, and then we go drop our San Juan worm down in the San Juan River and catch me a twenty inch trout. Awesome. Can anybody come and be a part? Anybody can come, as long as you can put up with the pastor of your, your church. I mean, yeah, but, but you if go. you can just deal with that, we'll talk about the Bible. We'll talk about prayer, and then uh, if you like fishing, come with me. It's an interest life group. Get your little San Juan worm, put it in the San Juan River, get you a 20-inch trout. There you go, folks. So listen, I'm going to hand it off uh, back to you, Pastor Matt. Back to the service. Pastor Matt, yeah, that guy. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> about that last guy, the San Juan River, but aside from that, we've got three opportunities for you to get connected with home life groups or a campus life group or interest life group. Now, you might be thinking, well, why do we have three different types of life groups? The bottom line is this. We want to plug you in. 
We won't want any excuses as far as, well, there's nothing for me. You know, I don't like to be in people's homes. Well, come here to the campus. We've got childcare here. We have food here. You want to do that? You can do some sort of other activity. If there's a group that you, you know, you want to start that doesn't already exist, launch your own group. It's totally fine. Invite your neighbors. Invite people that are already there. The whole bottom line, the point is to do life with other people. Our life groups are intended to do life with other people. And those groups establish friendships, true, meaningful, godly friendships. No. Here's my challenge for you. My challenge for you is when you leave here, visit the little living room that we've got set up out there and choose to join one of those three groups. But here's the real challenge. The real challenge is I want you to commit to three weeks or three groups, whichever that is. Some of the groups meet every other week. So go three to three groups. Now, why the number three? I'm not asking for a year's commitment. I'm not asking for a semester of a commitment. I'm just saying give me three weeks. Give that group three weeks. Now, why three? Here's the reason why. Week one. When you go to something for the first time, you come to a new church, you go to a school, you go to a new job, week one, day one, it's always awkward. I'll just call it what it is. It's awkward. When you go for the first time, you're like, I don't know where to go, I don't know where to drive, I don't know which room it's in, I don't know what house it is, but finally you figure that out, you walk in, you're like, hi, I'm the new guy, I'm the new gal. It's just a little bit weird. So most people, because of the potential for weirdness and awkwardness, they never take that step, they never jump off the log, they never take action. But push through that. If you could go past week one and get back there for week two, something magical begins to happen. You know where to go, it's no longer awkward, and people start to recognize you. You begin to recognize them. It still doesn't feel all that comfortable just yet, which is why you have to push through week two and come back for week three. Now, week three, something begins to transform. What happens week three is that not only do you recognize some faces, but you start to remember some of their names. And they start to remember your name. And all of a sudden, something begins to spark. Something begins to develop. Friendship. It begins to take root. Some of the people that were in my life group, even back years ago from Albuquerque, when we lived in Albuquerque, some of our closest friends today are people that we met in our life group. Lifelong friends you're potentially missing out on by opting out. So my challenge for you this morning is to stop thinking about it. Stop considering it. Some of you have been thinking about it. You've known for a long, long time you need godly friendships. You need to be in some sort of group like that. But you've been putting it off. You've been resistant. And by doing so, in this dichotomy of wisdom versus foolishness, you said, okay, yeah, I, this is a good idea. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to settle for foolishness. My challenge for you this morning is to take action. Wise people respect God's word. People who respect God's word, they obey God's word. People who obey God's word take action. Wise people take action. Here's the bottom line. Wise people have godly friends. Are you willing to be somebody who pursues godly friends? We're giving you the platform. We're giving you the opportunity. We have three different opportunities for you. Please don't settle for foolishness. Be somebody who pursues wisdom. Pursue wisdom, pursue wisdom, pursue wisdom. Be somebody who respects God by being obedient to his word. And when you're obedient to his word, people like that take action. Are you ready to take action? Today's the day for you to jump off the log. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fact that each person has made the decision to get up and be here this morning. Thank you for the fact that they've chosen to come and worship you and grow in their knowledge of you. But God, I pray that, that we're not satisfied by just listening to your word. And we're not content with just coming to church and saying, okay, I've heard a sermon, but not doing anything about it. God, I know there's people this morning, 
People watching on the live stream or the replay right now, they know that they need to do life with other people, but they've been resistant to it for whatever reason. They've made excuses, justifications. I'm busy. I've got other things going on. They've made a bunch of excuses. And in doing so, they've, they've chosen foolishness instead of wisdom. God, I pray that we can be people who don't just say that we want wisdom, but be people who actually live that out and demonstrate that by being obedient to your word. God, I pray that you provide us with godly friendships, not just acquaintances, not just followers, people that we can do life with, people that know the good and the bad and the ugly that we're going through, people that we know the same about them, that we can help lead them, guide them, give them godly, God-honoring feedback and advice, help them grow in their wisdom as we grow in ours as well. That I thank you for the fact that Jesus himself prioritized friendship so we can follow his lead. That we too can pursue wisdom by pursuing godly friends. We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.